0: It was when you came on your official visit, they played like the old school movie with the four horsemen and uh, the old school Notre Dame. And you got the, and there's a, (laughs) that's
1: a follow-up question. (laughs) Eric Hansen, that's a heck of a follow-up question
0: right there. If you can be physical and if you can take the breath out of somebody by hitting them, man, it don't matter how many yards or or what the offense is or what the schemes are. That'll always be the same. But I still think there's a place for Notre Dame and the ideals of Notre Dame football in the, wide, broad scope of the sport right now. Uh, Eric, I'm hoping I don't run into you in South Bend because you are probably cost me around a drink. From
1: the South Bend Tribune and ND Insider, this is the Pot of Gold Podcast with Tyler James and Eric Hansen.
0: Welcome everyone to another edition of Pot of Gold and ND Insider Podcast. I'm Eric Hansen and I'm joined today by Carter Carles. Together, we cover Notre Dame football for Andy Insider and in the South Bend Tribune. Who's not with us today is Tyler James. He is off, but who is with us today is Will Shipley, the nation's number one all-purpose back, according to all the recruiting services in the 2021 class. He's a Notre Dame recruiting target and target of a lot of other people, too. Welcome to the show, Will. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Well, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, you know, we've been plunged into this COVID-19 world right now. And recruiting has really changed a lot in terms of how, you know, that there's no visits right now. There's virtual things. A lot of things are virtual and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm just wondering from your standpoint, how it's affected your recruitment, if at all
1: yeah um you know it it kind of threw a wrench in my in my recruitment because you know I, I had some very important um, visits coming up um, you know, in the much of month of March and April, um, you know, Notre Dame was one of them, Stanford, uh, NC state, UNC Clemson. Um, you know, I, I had all those planned. obviously I had to cancel all of them. Um, and, and it de- definitely made it a, a little tougher, um, to kind of get to see and, you know, check off the boxes that I wanted to for those schools. Um, and then, you know, in just kind of my day-to-day life, I would say that it's, it's definitely picked up um, the the phone calls and, you know, the zoom meetings, um, just the communication between the coaches and I um, has, has increased, you know, due due to both of us, not, not having, you know, too much to do. Um, That's, that's another thing that it's kind of impacted in that way.
2: Yeah, Will, this is Carter. I, I really don't envy you guys because I remember, talking with you a few days into this stuff. And you were talking about how it's like, man, I'm getting like 30 texts every morning waking up to this stuff. (laughs) And as far as where Notre Dame fits into this, I remember you were planning on taking that big visit for March 20th that weekend. Um, And you've only been to Notre Dame once. um, Mm -hmm. And so you've thought about, well, I don't, I don't know if I want to make a decision before that, before I visit uh Notre Dame where do you kind of stand with that now I know you've talked about maybe the June visiting in Mm -hmm. June but but where do you kind of stand with that now
1: yeah, so you know I, I have set my um official date for for June. Um but you know w- you know with that being said, um I I I think you know my family and I have discussed and we we're kind of leaning more towards um you know probably committing before um you know I am able to take that visit in June. But you know that then again I if I commit to Notre Dame uh which you know they're they're definitely up there uh, you know in that small group of schools that I'm choosing from. Then um, you know I'll 100 percent take that official. Um, you know I'll I'll kind of tag along with Blake Fisher and trying to recruit as many guys as I can. Um, you know, but Notre Dame is is playing a, a big role in my recruitment, and uh, you know it's going to stay that way until the end.
0: You know, well the world seems to change every day with this stuff. We learn you know new things about mm-hmm. the disease, and we learn about when it might be safe to travel, what that's going to look like. And then we have a lot of people that throw misinformation out there. So it's very confusing, I would think. But in terms of if it's safe to travel in June, how do you feel about traveling that far away from home? And would you guys, would you and your family drive rather than fly? Kind of what are your, what's going through your mind with all that? Yeah, you
1: know, if, if, you know, if I'm uncommitted or, you know, if I'm committed to Notre Dame, um, then 100%, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, m- my family and I would you know, not shy away from driving if that's the only option. Um, you know, we, we, we want to get back on campus. That's, Notre Dame was the very first visit that we set, um, you know, in, in the spring period. And uh, it was, you know, it was devastating that we didn't get to take that visit. Uh, is is probably going to be one, one of the most fun and, uh, you know, exciting recruiting trips. Just because all of the 2021 commits were going to be there, uh, I was going to get to spend, you know, some time with the players, get some things that I just I wasn't able to do when I visited um, at the USC game last year. Uh, but you know, I, I think it's definitely something that we we would not uh, you know shy away from is kind of you know taking the transportation by, by car if if you know if that's what it takes.
2: Yeah, and Will, from from my understanding, the message from Notre Dame's coaching staff has been like, "Hey, we might have this, we might not. If it's not safe, definitely not going to have it. But mm-hmm. if they do have it, do you have an idea for what it would look like? with their have they talked about how?" There would still be social distancing, people wearing masks. I mean, it's kind of weird to to
1: Just think uh, about it, yeah. speculate
2: two months in the future. But have they kind yeah. of talked about that at all? Um, no, they haven't really
1: gone too far into detail um, with that. I'm sure you know all of that stuff would probably have to take place, which you know it would be a little bit awkward on a uh, on an official visit to you know have to sit six feet away from each other and then you know certain things like that. Um, You know, the, the, but they have not gone into into detail with me, you know, kind of how it would be uh, laying out and you know, everything we, that we do on that visit.
0: Well, what's kind of your routine at home right now? Are you doing virtual education at home? Do you have access to a gym at all? Are you doing resistance bands? What's kind of your, your day like as far as just preparing to continue to be a football player? yes sir yeah um you know so
1: i i've been you know very fortunate very lucky i have a really nice setup um and you know in my backyard uh we 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 moved into this house we had a little shed back there and you know just have kind of over the years um continued to add to it and uh you know i've got a dumbbells um really nice bench and squat rack a treadmill, a Peloton. So um, I, I've been very fortunate in, in that, that field of things. Um, and then, you know, usually just a, a day for me is trying to wake up. I, I you know I had a good time. I, I never try to sleep past nine o'clock. Um, and then right now we're actually on spring break, but, you know, I would get my school work done early in the morning. I would try to get, you know, a workout in, um, you know, with, with weights and then I would eat some lunch. And uh, then, you know, between lunch and dinner I would try to go out and also get a field workout um you know I, I think to to be able to do weights and field um is, is just is very important so you know if, if I do too much weights then uh, I won't be able to move as well but then if I only do field then I, I'll start getting weaker so and I I feel like I've done a pretty good job of kind of mixing the two together and um and then, you know, eat some dinner and try to get to bed in, uh, at a good hour. Um, I, I know it's, it's tough, um, you know, with just not really have anything to, you know, to do tomorrow, not having to wake up early for football workouts or school. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the day. Um, and you know, I, I try to keep it uh, as as that schedule, you know, every day if I can.
2: Well, man, Will, you, you sound a lot more organized than I am because I guess <laughs> no, the last time I've woken up before 9 a.m., Uh, but uh, I want to ask you about the virtual visits that Notre Dame has been doing. It it seems like it's more, it's not like one night where you're doing it. It's a bunch of stuff. Mm. They've had some of Notre Dame's players reach out to you. I believe Adam Sargent, the academics advisor for the student athletes, he he Mm. has been uh, talking with you. Can, Can you tell us what, the entire virtual official visit entails
1: yeah so you know it's uh, like you said it's spread out um it's just and it's being able to speak with um multiple players you know I think that's been the biggest thing for for you know me is that that's really the box that I wanted to check off you know I got to see the game day atmosphere I got to see um, you know, all, all the academic stuff. Uh, I've got to spend time with the 2021 commits. But you know, I really wanted to spend time with the players and kind of get that locker room vibe. Um, you know, so I've been talking to a bunch of them. And, you know, it, it's really helped. Uh, you know, I, I've been talking to you know, t- 10 or 15 guys, uh, you know, all over the phone, just texting, um, playing some video games with them. And, you know, that's that's been a huge part for me. But, you know, on the other side of things, um, videos, just kind of walking you through everything uh, getting to, you know, speak with, you know, the strength and conditioning coach, you know, as you said, uh, Adam surgeon, sergeant, uh, just like the little things like that, um, that they're making available to, to recruits, um, you know, because we we can't take those visits and we can't do that stuff right now.
0: Um, Well, um, Carter tells me your mentor is uh, Christian McCaffrey. And I, Mm -hmm. I've seen that elsewhere. I wondered, how you guys initially met and what kind of guidance has he given you through this process?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, so actually funny story. Um, he, I was on my way to the DMV and, um, I looked down at my phone and, you know, I see a DM from him over Instagram and that's kind of how it all started. Uh, I was shocked. It probably wasn't the best thing that I could have received before going to get my, uh, you know, <laughs> Driver's license, but um, no. But you know, it was such a great experience. And just over the time we've we've spoken, um, you know, I've, I've gotten his phone number. We we text, you know, every once in a while. I, I try to not hit him up too much, but just the uh, the guidance that he's given me throughout this process, um, you know, just kind of telling me his experience through it all, and um, talking, you know, to him about you know what what he does to be as good as he is, and uh, trying to you know, not only do what he does, but you know, if, if I can you know, do more, and I know that sounds, that sounds crazy uh, because he is, he is absolutely insane. Well, you know w- what he does in a day or uh, just, just how much hard work he puts in. I would love to emulate that to the best of my ability. And um, you know, hopefully you just be able to be as, ex- as successful as he has been. Yeah. Well,
2: I'm, I'm, I saw this the other day. I think you you sent Blake Fisher a birthday card. Is that right? Like in the mail and everything.
1: right? Yeah, yeah, I did.
2: Um, I, I want to ask you about that because you've you've said this before that of all the commits that every you know program going after you, you're you're closest with the Notre Dame commits. And and why do you think that is? Is it because of Blake, or are they all contacting you just twenty four seven? Why do you feel like you guys are so close?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, Blake and I's relationship is uh, it's, it's, it's very, you know, you you don't think that it would happen. Um, You know, he's, he's been such just, you know, great for, for my family and I giving us all the information uh, that, that we need. And I think over time it's just, you know, developed into, you know, uh, us becoming more brothers than, than friends. Um, And, you know, as long as, you know, the other commits, you know, Tyler Buckner and I go way back uh, to, to middle school across uh, you know, played against each other in the summer circuit. So we've always kept up, um, you know, it's, it's kind of just, uh, <laughs> lucky, I guess that, that he committed Notre Dame and I'm being recruited by them. And then, you know, with all the other guys, um, you know, they all reach out. I, I you know, I talked to them, um, and I've, I've steady conversations, uh, with, with all the other guys, weekly conversations, but, you know, I would say that Blake and Tyler, um, are probably the two guys that I'm I'm closest with, and you know I, I I speak to those guys every day, um which which is you know all awesome.
0: Well, uh, I'm wondering if you have any kind of relationship or know them at all, Chris Chris Tyree, and then also wanted to ask you about. Notre Dame running backs coach, Lance Taylor, What your relationship is like with him?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, Chris and I actually spoke last week um, and, you know, we've, we met on, on the um, USC visit that I took last year and, you know, got to know each other, um, you know, spoke with one another and, you know, we've, we've spoken over social media since then. Uh, but, you know, we had a really, really good conversation last week. Uh, you know, he's, he's my dude. He's awesome. And then, you know, oh, regarding coach Taylor, uh, I, I think I, you know, I can confidently say that, uh, that's a hundred percent, one of my best relationships, um, that I've created in you know, in this college recruiting trail that I've, you know, that I've been on, um, just how genuine he's been for, for my family and I, um, you know, I, I just, how much, how much he cares. And it's, it's never just about football with him. Um, you know, he's always asking, you know, how my dad, how my mom is doing, how's my brother, how's the schoolwork going? Um, and you know, that stuff means a lot because. In this in this football recruiting world, you, you'll get coaches that um, they only care about one thing, and you know that's football, and those are the coaches that you know I've tried to step aside from because you know what happens if you're not performing to the best of your ability on the football field then you know their interest in you and you know them caring about your well-being just goes out the window and you know I think coach Taylor is you know is one of the best coaches in college football to develop for the National Football League and you know that's my end goal so you know my relationship with him is awesome you I speak with him know two or three times a week you know, over text. And then we always speak at least once a week on the phone, uh, sometimes two or three as well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to keeping that up.
2: And Will, you know, I want to circle back with the Adam Sargent thing, just kind of in that same vein of, of life beyond football. Mm-hmm. What does that presentation look like? I, th- I think he's probably giving you a presentation you would have gotten on an official visit and it was more tailored to you specifically but but what did that all kind of look like
1: Yeah so um you know I'm I'm interested in business uh you know that's that's something that I've kind of a- already determined so you know it was it was a lot about you know the business school that the avenues that I could take through that what would be you know the the best thing for me to do uh the support system that you know that I would have in order to you know be successful and you know one thing I will say about it is um you know he he made it known how you know how how hard it was going to be and you know you're not going to go to Notre Dame and it it be a breeze in the classroom and um you know that's that's something that you know I've always wanted you know I I never wanted to just you know be able to walk out of uh you know a place with a degree and it it not mean anything um and, and at a place like Notre Dame you know it means something and and you really have to work for it um and you know I'm 100% 100% willing to do that wherever I go but you know at a place like Notre Dame um you know that that degree really does mean something and you know they make sure that you earn it.
2: And it's my understanding that they it wasn't just Adam Sargent they also had Tom Mendoza and a couple uh maybe business professors talk with you as well I, yes. I, I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember yes. but yeah who I all has uh, reached out to you
1: I spoke with Pr- Professor Stevens. Um, yeah, that was the the main one that I, that I spoke with, and then you know I've also spoken to um, Professor Mendoza or Mr. Mendoza, um, and you know he he and my dad actually speak um, pretty frequently, uh, which which is awesome. And then um, you know I know that you know my dad has gotten connected with some of the um, dads of the players at Notre Dame right now, speaking with them. Um, you know, so it's it's pretty special what they're doing.
0: Well, uh, I'm I'm curious, have you talked to your high school coach? Have you talked to the athletic director, your people at your school about the prospect of what's going to happen in the fall with your own football? You know, your high school football, if what they're thinking about how viable a high school season is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've, I've actually
1: spoken with Coach Capone, my my head coach, um, almost daily. And then, uh, you know, the the athletic athletic director and I have a really good relationship, Mr. Hart. Um, you know, I've spoken to him I mean, a couple times over this break. And uh, you know, they're they're both pretty confident that you know the the fall season will happen. Uh, I'm I'm I'll always have high hopes about that type of stuff. And I, I think I think everything will will be played out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, whether or not um, there will be uh, you know, 5,000 people in the stands, I don't know. Uh, you know, all I care is that, you know, I'll be able to play my senior season, uh, hopefully, you know, go off on a, a three-peat and, um, you know, just just have really good memories. But, you know, um, all of us are are confident and have high hopes that, you know, this season will happen.
0: And And wherever you end up college-wise, mm-hmm. are you entertaining the thoughts of enrolling early or you want to kind of have your whole high school senior year to play. Yeah, to um, no, I will
1: be. I will be a hundred percent leaving early. I'll, I'll be graduating, you know, in December um, wherever I decide to go, um, unless it's Stanford, obviously, because they don't they don't do that. But you know, I, I will be graduating early.
2: Well, two schools. I want you to kind of, I guess, compare contrast mm-hmm. both schools that are going after you really hard. Notre Dame and Clemson. Yeah. What makes them different from each other? How would you compare them? Not just in what makes them them, but how they're approaching your recruitment.
1: Both programs are, you know, so, so awesome. And they're they're both, you know, honestly a perfect fit for me. Um, I think one thing that I can, you know, go ahead and say right off the bat that has been important for me is, um, you know, how they incorporate Christ in in their program. That's a huge thing for my family and I. And, you know, both of them do such a good job at that. Um, You know, I think the academics are better at at a place like Notre Dame. Um, You know, Clemson, they're still, you know, they're still great. Um, But, you know, at at a place like Notre Dame, you, you really don't get too much better um, academic wise to, you know, and to have that football and academic, um, you know, just respect in, in, in both areas. Uh, You know, I I think Notre Dame really has to uh, step up on that, Uh, but kind of just the approach, um, you know, to be frankly honest with you, Notre Dame has, um, Notre Dame has recruited me the hardest, you know, throughout this whole thing. Um, And, you know, there's no question about that. Uh, speaking with Coach Reese, Coach Taylor, Coach Kelly, um, Coach Alexander, Coach Quinn. Uh, you know, I could I could go on a, a whole list. Um, you know, they've they've done such a great job. You know, Clemson has kind of taken you know the approach of um, we're gonna you know we're gonna let you carry out your process, and if you need to talk, you let us know. Um, but you know, we're not gonna kind of give you a full court press. And uh, I think the, the difference between them, um, I I like, I love it. You know, I love speaking with all the coaches from Notre Dame, you know, gaining knowledge from them. But um, then at at the other hand, um, because I've have not narrowed down my recruitment and, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going straight to a commitment. Um, It's nice to have uh, one or two of those schools kind of, you know, back up and, and not, um, you know, not want to talk on the phone all the time, things like that. Um, so I, I really like, you know, both of those. And then one thing I will say is, you know, just the distance. Clemson is, is obviously closer to me. Um, it's, it's about a two-hour drive and, uh, you know, Notre Dame only being a two-hour flight. Um, and that, that's not going to play a huge role in my recruitment. That's not going to be the determining factor. Um, but, you know, but Clemson is is closer. Um, the, the weather is, is one thing I've also thought about. Um, but the good thing is I've never been affected by, you know, the cold. Uh, you know, I've, I've played in some some pretty darn cold games. Uh, it's, you know, it's definitely colder up there in, in South Bend than it is uh, down here. Um, but no, just, just both programs. I've done, you know, such a great job and to, to even have the opportunity to, um, be able to go to either one of them. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky, very lucky and, uh, just, just very humbled to, you know, have those opportunities.
0: Well, last question for me, and I'm not trying to trick you into <laughs> hinting at who's leading for you. I just want to ask this as an honest question to somebody that's a young person that is, is going through COVID-19, mm-hmm. did did it affect you at all in the way that you thought about the distance from home, either saying, man, you know, in these times, it would be nice to be closer to home, or... I'm tired of everybody around here. I need to be somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that,
1: uh, this, this, in this scenario, no, you know, it hasn't. Um, you know, one thing I will say is my brother, he, uh, you know, he plays lacrosse at the university of Pennsylvania. Um, you know, Ivy league up in Philly and, you know, that was tough, you know, to be so close with him and for, for him to, you know, move away. Um, was you know it was definitely tough but to see how happy that that he's been um and you know it it is it is far you know I I don't get to go drive and see him every weekend but um I think that goes to show that uh you know distance it can play a factor but uh you, you you at the end of the day you have to make whatever um decision is is best for yourself and you know that's that's a little bit uh selfish but you know in in this uh, certain situation, you know, you, you've got to be selfish and you got, you've got to do what's best for you. And, you know, distance is not going to be one of those things for me that, that, that plays, you know, a, a huge role that would, you know, determine what, where I end up.
2: So, well, I got one more question for yep. you. Just wondering, you know, you, you've said that it seems like Notre Dame's really answered all the questions that you had at least without having that last visit Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to really be winding down for you. So how do you imagine when you'll commit? Do you, I mean, do you think it'll be a couple of weeks from now? And then mm-hmm. is there a special way you're hoping to announce that, whether that be, you know, a kind of a video or, or something like that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, with, with everything I've, I've been able to check all the boxes with Clemson and Notre Dame. Uh, just from the information that i've received and you know I, i've gotten all of that stuff but um you know now it's really just down to to making a decision and um i, I don't know when when that's gonna happen um to, to be frankly honest with you it, it could be you know next week or you know i think that uh, you know it could be a month from now but, you know, I, I am looking to to be committed. I'm looking to find my home, um, you know, as soon as possible. Uh, it's, it's gotten to be uh, a lot. You know, th- this recruiting process has gotten to be a lot. And, you know, I, I look forward to just being able to, um, you know, find my home and ju- just be able to be happy with that and, and, and not look back. And then uh, – Awesome. Yeah, so how I'm, how I'm going to portray it is I, I actually – I have a, a pretty cool video in the making. Um, obviously not done because I still don't know where I'm going yet. But um, when I do decide, then, um, you know, that's how I'm going to release it. So
2: Awesome. Well, well, we will let you go and uh, get on with your busy day reaching out and, and getting back with the 80 coaches <laughs> reaching out to you. So uh, We appreciate your time. It, it was awesome talking with you.
1: Yeah, I I really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, Stay safe, and I hope you guys have a great night. Take care you all. Thank
0: you. Okay, we're going to review the interview a little bit here with Carter, our recruiting expert. First of all, Carter, was there anything that he said that surprised you during the interview?
2: I don't know if it was a huge surprise what he said, but how he said it about – Notre Dame recruiting him the hardest. It's very clear that they've been all over him. And, and not in a way that is too much, right? They've done just the exact amount that they should be doing. Um, Tommy Reese and Brian Kelly visited his school in January. Lance Taylor is on the phone with them every week, uh, multiple times. And and something that Lance Taylor um, – w- w- something that Will has talked about with Lance is um, – he's not running out of things to say it's always fresh it's always how's your family doing what Netflix show you watch and he's really good about mixing it up and not just having the same old spiel you know three times a week so um if Notre Dame were to not get Will Shipley I don't think it's a, for a lack of effort or um the wrong approach I think they're doing everything that they can to land him um you
0: know he hinted a couple of times about a timeline with his decision, and it sounds like it's going to come before that tentative mid-June visit date. So, what's kind of your your take on what he said? That was that was the math I did. What what did your math come up with? Well, Will's the initial
2: plan for him was to commit in April, and okay. then once the COVID nineteen stuff happened. It was every day it's something different. It's like, well, okay, I'm going to go to the June visit and then decide. And then it's, you know what, I still kind of want to do April. And then, well, what about May? And, and Notre Dame and Clemson, I think, are the top two schools for him. But I just, I think he's back and forth between both schools and which day to choose. So I think it's an unpredictable recruitment um, some folks you know, in the recruiting world are, are pretty split on this. Lots of people think Notre Dame and lots of people think Clemson. So I think those are the two schools to watch. And like you said, it could happen next week. It could happen next month. My, my inclination, it'll happen in the next couple of weeks. But we'll see.
0: Things change like crazy. Okay. And you, you mentioned Notre Dame and Clemson. Ultimately, where is your intuition, your Ouija board, your crystal ball, where is that pointing for you?
2: Boy, hit is too close to call. I mean, I I will give you an answer, but I will say I am not very confident in the answer. My answer for right now is Notre Dame. Um, I thought it was very interesting when we asked him about the difference between Notre Dame and Clemson. He seemed uh, – maybe maybe it's just me, but he seemed to have more glowing things to say about Notre Dame for the most part.
0: Well, he was um, on a Notre Dame podcast.
2: <laughs> he was on a Notre Dame podcast. But I, I just think when it comes to the players, the commits, the coaches, he is a lot more closer to Notre Dame's players, commits, coaches than Clemson's players, commits, coaches. That's so, true. So he, the Lord of Clemson is the distance, the, the program obviously – Um, And I think academics plays a big role for him. But to me, I think at the end of the day, it's the relationships that will be the game changer for Will. I just think he is way closer to everyone at Notre Dame than any other school by by a mile.
0: Okay, here's my read. Having just met him on the phone today for the first time and not knowing the family dynamics, I think you could go either way, and I agree with the relationship part. He did he did make a point to, to tell us how far Clemson was by car. Um who do you feel like is the influencer in that family though? Do you think that the parents say, We're staying out of this, this is totally up to you, or do you think, you know, mom says, Boy, I have one son that's already a long way away? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. What's what's your sense of the family dynamic here?
2: Well, yeah, and then he mentioned that he has a a brother at Pennsylvania. So, right. My understanding is is they're open to anything. I mean, okay. and and he's also interested in Stanford too. And and that's way further away than Notre Dame. Yeah. My sense is that his parents they're involved in his recruitment. You know, he talked about how his dad's close with some of the dads and Tom Mendoza and and those folks. So, I think they are involved. But I think at the end of the day it's going to be Will Shipley's decision and you know, distance, I just, the distance and weather thing, I don't know if that's going to play a huge factor. I think it's going to be more about, you know, Clemson being this big time program that is, you know, right there. It's what everyone, I mean, kind of a lot of people in that area love Clemson. I know he's in North Carolina, but, you know, that's the big football team. Um, Or do you pick the relationships? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Do you pick the powerhouse or the relationships? And I, my, my thing is, I think relationships will, uh, will be the determining factor because that's what, I mean, that's what happened with Chris Tyree. I mean, he was really close with, with Notre Dame's commits, um, with Chip Long, with Lance Taylor. And I think that's what won him over. And so I think that's how it'll play out this time. But unlike Tyree, Lance Taylor has had, a year and a half to kind of forge this relationship, uh, or, or I guess a year, and uh, I think I think they'll end up winning it. But again, we'll see. It's, it's definitely up in the air.
0: Okay, we're going to move on to some other college football topics, and there's a lot of them kind of floating around during a time where there's no spring football. In fact, this is the week Notre Dame would have been playing the blue-gold game to finish up. Spring practice. So the first thing that I want to kind of throw at you, Carter, is the NCAA's kind of gone back and forth with some things. They Notre Dame had some mandatory workouts going during the spring. The NCAA decided that they needed to make those voluntary because they didn't, they were worried about liability issues. But today they came out with standardized guidelines that are going to allow coaches up to eight hours of virtual meetings. So this is not, you know, working out. This is like film study meetings and things of that nature. Eight hours a week. Uh, and that'll start Monday and go through the end of May. I'm, I'm curious your take on that.
2: Well, I'll be I'll be interested in hearing what, what Brian Kelly and what other coaches are are thinking. It didn't seem like there was a ton of pushback when this came out. I think the thought is, and I know that some players are, like the players are required to also have a day off, uh, each week. And so I think it's good for a place like Notre Dame on the players, you know, they don't need to be in, you know, having four hours of meetings every single day. They've already got a lot on their work work workload with, you know, training and, um, tending to their family and school, you know, the online courses, I think, really screwed some people over as far as, um, just, you know, it, it's it's either a lot harder or the pass-fail thing some people aren't a big fan of. Um, and so I think they already have a lot to worry about. And by having an unlimited amount of meetings, um, then that, I mean, that makes it a lot more complicated. So having a limit, I don't know if eight hours is the appropriate amount, but having some sort of limit, I think, is probably a good idea.
0: Well, today there was, I, I don't know that this is really shocking, But uh, given the plethora of young quarterbacks at USC, but JT Daniels, who was injured most of last season uh, at USC, put his name into the transfer portal. I wondered what your thoughts were on JT Daniels doing the portal thing.
2: It's not a huge surprise, I guess, when you consider... It seems like Keaton Slovis' team now, I mean, he really impressed... In a few games last year, really seemed to take control of that offense at some points. He had some injuries, but uh, I think what's fascinating about the JT Daniels thing is, you know, he enrolled in car- college a year early, and I wonder if, if that will be seen in hindsight as a failed ex- experiment. If people will look at that as, well, then maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe 17 is too young to, to play college football. Um, but I think a question that we we got on, on Twitter was whether Notre Dame would entertain um, adding JT Daniels in the transfer portal what do you think about that Eric I don't I don't really think that's in the cards but wanted to get your thoughts
0: you know it's um, the whole his whole transfer thing will be interesting because you know I think they're going to put off that immediate transfer legislation I think they put it off to deciding in May, and you wonder if they're just going to table that until we know when the college football season is going to start. Um, you, you know, if Tyler Buckner w- wasn't committed, I could see Notre Dame at least sniffing around that and kicking the tires, but and sniffing the tires, who knows. But uh, I, I think that uh, ultimately that probably wouldn't wouldn't be a fit. Um, for them. I think he's really talented. I just, I don't see that. And I don't see him coming to this part of the country, to be honest with you. So, um, it's, it's going to be very interesting. The timing of this is interesting. Um, but you kind of thought one of those two young quarterbacks was going to hit the transfer portal at some point. That's just kind of how college football is right now. You're, you know, and, uh, there wasn't a spring practice really for him to, you know, win back the job. And so it, it's, um, here we are with, with another high profile transfer. Okay. Um, I'm going to go on to the next one the topic, which is Jack Swarbrick, Notre Dame's athletic director among the people he told us to Mike Tirico and Paul Feinbaum that he can't see Notre Dame playing in an Empty stadium. Now he did say that he could see Notre Dame playing in a not full stadium. That yeah. somehow with social distancing, with creativity, that they and and we're or, or assuming that this is going to be safe with testing and tracing or or other methods. So so we're not advocating that there's something unsafe about this, but but that they would entertain. Less than a full stadium. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on on those concepts.
2: Swarbrick's comments were interesting to me because it was kind of hard to tell whether he was saying it as if like it was his preference or it absolutely cannot happen as fans are no or fans are nothing kind of thing. I think college football fans, media members, coaches, athletic directors for the most part would agree that. Having football in an empty stadium is better than not having football at all, if it is safe. Um, And so we'll see um, what happens with that. But, yeah, I I think there's a lot of different uh, outcomes we could see. I mean, with fans, I mean, would they be wearing masks? Would they be six feet apart? Would there be a cutoff number? Um, I don't think you can rule anything out. And, and yeah, I want to definitely – say all that with with the caveat that you can't really speak in any definitive terms um, yeah. but but when you do hear that hey we'd rather there be fans than no fans um, I mean obviously that's true but I wonder if that's more of a it has to be this way or we don't have it or if it's just more of a preference kind of
0: thing I I think it's it's Jack's preference that that was my take on hearing him speak. and I, I think there's I, I think what he was what's an absolute demand of his is that students are back in school. Um, and I think a lot of athletic directors and commissioners are of that opinion that if they're going to have um, college football, that there needs to be students on campus and those things have to go hand in hand because this isn't a a pro league. I also, you know, the the tricky part about the attendance is, you know, college football is so much more dependent on those tickets sold and the, and, and the game day experience, you know, the parking, the popcorn and all that stuff. than the NFL is the NFL gets a fairly small percentage of it's, revenue from gate it it has huge television money college football even though it seems sizable it's not as much as what they're going to get from the gate and when we're, we're when we say that we're talking about power five teams and notre dame is a power five team so all those things are interesting what what annoys me is when people talk in absolutes and they don't know what they're talking about and they cite you know a a random doctor in Idaho or something. Um, that's where I, I kind of get upset. I, I, I'm optimistic about the college football season happening somehow. And I think the decision makers are too. It's just, when will it take place? And with the kind of the prevailing thought that I'm hearing from people that have talked to a lot of decision makers are that maybe the February through May, um, February through May scenario is the most likely right now. But again, you know, things can change a lot. This There's not a frame of reference to this, you know, um, to this pandemic other than, I guess, the Spanish flu, you know, about 100 years ago. Um, and I don't know how much we learned from that. So, um, but say it's it's going to be safety first, but I'm telling you, Carter, it seems like every week the rules are a little bit different, the pessimism's different, the optimism's different. And and even, you know, I watched two doctors back to back in a video that in which Dr. Oz was interviewing them about immunity and they have very different views on how likely people would be immune to this if they already had the disease. So there's just a lot of factors there, but ultimately safety first and and we'll get to college football I'm convinced at some point I just don't know how old I'll be at that point
2: it, yeah and I, I was watching uh Brian Kelly on call, Colin Calhoun this morning and Colin basically asked him like hey if you wanted like if, if they had to would you play college football games in January February March would you extend the season have it be played later And and Kelly said he was open to the idea as long as there's no eligibility issues. You know, the people who are graduating in December are still part of the team and the early enrollees, I guess, wouldn't, you know, clutter the scholarship space. I think there's a lot of contingencies that would come with having the season later, but Kelly said that he was open to that idea.
0: Yeah, I I, I think it's interesting. I I think everybody would be, (laughs) interested in something. I I mean, again, I I just, I don't, I don't know what to think at this point because again, I, I think we're just kind of learning as we go with a lot of these things. And I do have confidence in our medical community and and people around the world that are really working hard to come up with answers for us. So um, I feel I'm, I'm probably one of the more optimistic people about that things might surprise us in a good way, but that's just kind of a gut feeling. And that's maybe kind of how I'm wired. Um, so, but uh, I, 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 I am encouraged that they feel like there can be some pro sports here soon, including baseball, even if it's going to look a little bit different. I think it's going to be a great diversion for people. Uh, I, I've, you know, everybody I talk to is pretty crabby right now, <laughs> and and I think we need something different other than my my show, The Voice. I'm I'm enjoying that, but uh, we need some sports to get going here. Okay, now we're going to take some Twitter questions, and we're going to let Carter be the question master today. So, Carter, let her roll. And before I ask the question, I just want to just say real quick,
2: because it just happened on Twitter, Aaron Armitage, the defensive end out of New Jersey, he just released his top five school list. Notre Dame is not in it. He was previously considered maybe a, a top target at Notre Dame's um, with with, my, with what I've gathered, you know, Notre Dame already has two defensive linemen committed and defensive tackle Gabriel Rubio defensive end, David Abiara. I think Jason Anier, the defensive end out of Rhode Island, is a lock to come to Notre Dame. I think it. Think he'll commit to Notre Dame, just in a matter of time. And I think three defensive linemen might be all they take in the class. So, uh, interesting to see that. Um, but now, I guess we'll get into Twitter questions.
0: Just tell me when you guys are. We done with USC? Everybody's done You guys are kidding me. That's all you want to talk about. All right, let's go.
2: This is from Ryan Greeney at Greeney RJ. Um, Best guess, how likely is it that Ireland game happens as currently scheduled?
0: Well, again, we're guessing. I know that, um, you know, initially when I talked to Jack Swarbrick a couple of weeks ago, Notre Dame's athletic director, he felt like it was going to be not so much a location thing, but whether it was tied to will there actually be games on August 29? Um, the Navy Navy's athletic director a week later said, "You know, we're we're planning on doing this. We haven't changed any of our plans." Now I know they've looked at some different alternatives, and then just yesterday Navy's coach Ken Niamakarolo, said he doubted that that game was going to be played as scheduled in Ireland. So you have all different kinds of opinions there, although it's over a different timeline. My best guess is that they would not play a game August 29th in Ireland unless there was incredible medical changes um, that we, we were well in advance, well advanced on what what was happening in the world and and in Ireland too you know I mean we're considering two different countries I'm not really been tracking what their curve looks like or how they've been handling it I've been looking at some different countries but Ireland to this point hasn't been one of them I think if the game gets played it's probably not on October or August 29th and it's probably in Annapolis Maryland but again I'm open to being surprised I again uh, there's you know, all kinds of things that we can learn medically between now and then that would, that would keep people safe.
2: I'm going to answer this next question from Indy Football Discord at NDF underscore Discord. In your opinion, which recruit is more likely to end up at Notre Dame, Will Shipley or Rocco Spindler? Is it more likely that Indy gets both or neither? So Will Shipley is such a toss-up to me. I, I would say it's about 50-50. Rocco Spindler, I really like Notre Dame's chances. I, I thought he was a lock to commit to Notre Dame on May fifteenth. The coronavirus really screwed things up because he had two visits, including an official visit planned to Notre Dame in March and April. So it, it might not be May it's not gonna be May fifteenth. It might come a little later, but I think Notre Dame ends up getting Rocco. Um, so I'm more confident in that. As far as what's more likely, Indy gets both or neither, I'm going to go with neither. And I only say that because I still think, you know, Notre Dame is in a good place with both of these guys. But Clemson is in a great position with Shipley. And Penn State and Michigan are two schools that I think are going hard after Rocco, too. So it wouldn't surprise me if – I mean, it would surprise me if they got neither. But I would say it's more likely that they get neither than both. Um, and this is another recruiting question from Zeigman LaForge. Um, will Notre Dame continue to conduct extensive virtual visits with interested recruits?
0: Want me to take that one? Yeah. Why don't you start and then I'll chime in.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I, I don't see why not. I mean, what's, what's the downside of it? And, and with the recruits I've talked to, they've all kind of done that. Now, what's interesting is I think it's different for every recruit. We talked about with Will Shipley about what it's looked like for him. I talked with Thomas Fadon, a tight end of Iowa, and Brian Pullion, the special teams and recruiting coordinator, was the one that gave him his academic presentation. And, and his virtual official visit looked different than Will's. So I think Notre Dame is kind of – individualizing these visits based off what these athletes need. Some of these guys have never been to campus. Thomas Fadon had never been to campus. Jason Onye, the defensive end I just talked about, hasn't been on campus. So you're going to see more uh, campus tour-driven uh, virtual visits with those guys than you would with someone who's been to campus multiple times.
0: Okay, my thought is I'll go with your answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean, what else can you do at this point until there is safety in in a campus visit, and then even then, you know, I think doing some of the things virtually to set that up, I, I think, are going to be a good thing. I, you know, it, it's hard. It was kind of hard for Will to envision what it would be like to be on a visit and be sitting six feet apart and, and wearing masks and stuff. So, you know, I've got to kind of ease into and see what that would look like. Again, we, you get different signals from different States saying, we're going to open up the economy slowly. We're going to do this. You know, I don't know what that looks like yet. And so I, I think as long as there is social distancing of some form I think these virtual visits are a great idea whether they stand alone or they supplement actual in-person visits
2: this one from JJH at JJ Heiler how do you think the trend of power five coaches taking voluntary pay cuts for 2021 for 2020 and 2021 impact getting Brian Kelly's contract extension across the finish line
0: I think it creates some weird optics for it because I think the um, the assumption is that he would be getting a raise. And I think what Brian was has been about when he's done these contract extensions is trying to get bargains for infrastructure for the program, for facilities, for commitments to different things. Now, remember... We're talking about huge, possibly, athletic department budgets by a lot of schools because of lost revenue. There was some lost revenue, at least from the NCAA tournament. Already we saw, for example, Cincinnati dropping men's soccer. I know when Notre Dame does capital improvements, uh, you know, like the stadium improvements in the original Google Amino athletics complex, they get all the fundraising first before they build, and I know that there is a a that there are blueprints for the goop too, which would you know expand the goop and and move things like kitchen facilities there. There would be a new weight room for football and things of that nature. Now, do all those things go on hold because of the nature of what's going on with the economy and the nature of what the, what's going on with athletics. I do think that Brian's contract will get extended. I don't think they're gonna make a big deal about it and they're gonna emphasize and they may even do it in concert with, hey, he's gonna take a pay cut this upcoming year. Um, just because again, it seems the optics would be really bad, even though this was in the works before. And and they have to extend him at some point because his contract runs out in twenty twenty one and so they would like, you know, I think this is just about years. It's not about trying to make, you know, Brian have enough money for another house in France or something.
2: It's a weird time for a contract extension. That is uh, for sure. Our pal Chuck Freebie at 4-6 Sports asks, what roles, if any, would you see? Uh, would, would you see for any of our local players this fall, including Jack Kaiser from Pioneer?
0: Okay, so is he only asking about Jack Kaiser or is he asking about Paul Morola too oh, and... Yes. The okay. local guys too. Well, I I mean they're both playing the same position right now, although I think you could kick Jack Kaiser inside and look at him as a buck linebacker and maybe that's something that would do. I I think whenever football gets going, I would I would think there would be less time to experiment with positions because you didn't get to do it in the spring and then when you do come back, it's going to be heavy cardio, heavy conditioning and then you're going to have your traditional time to do X's and O's in the training camp setting. But do you really want to use that time to say, hey, I wonder if Jack Kaiser would be a buck? You know, I think at that point you want to kind of hone in on who your starters are and kind of, you know, get the rust off of their skills and so forth. So my sense is that Kaiser and, and Moala would both be at the Rover. And I think Jeremiah, Wusuko, would both be at the Rover. I I still think you'll see both of those guys on special teams. I think maybe there's a package where they'll get in a little bit more. I like both of their futures. And, And to be honest, If Jeremiah Koromoa improved even a little bit over where he was last year, there's a good chance he would not come back for a fifth year, and that would be his last year, and then those guys would be battling it out to be a starter in 2021.
2: I think if Jeremiah wasn't so darn good, Paul Malala would probably be seeing the field some more, because I remember there were games last year where he'd kind of get on the field for goal line situations or these weird packages they'd try. And he would do a couple things. I can't remember the one game toward the end of the season where he had a really big play. Um, but I remember talking with him after saying like, yeah, we, we need to figure a way to have me and Jeremiah on the field at the same time because he feels like he can contribute. Um, it's just when you have a player like Jeremiah in front of you, it's hard to, I know Jack, he redshirted last year, he, you know, got on some special teams plays. That that will probably be his role this year. But yeah, like you said, the the transition to Buck becomes a lot harder for him. Um, indie football discord. Another question from him: uh, Who does Michael Young's departure most affect on Notre Dame's depth chart?
0: Um, I would say that it is. I mean, it's not going to affect Brayden Lindsay because I think Brayden Lindsay has the upper hand and did. And I think that's why Michael Young's going to Cincinnati. When I talked to him, he felt like he was not targeted enough in the offense, that he didn't feel like he was used enough in the offense. So, who else is at that outside field receiver? I'm, You know, in the very first day of practice, we saw Ben Skalanek from. Northwestern the Northwestern grad transfer over there I'm not sure if he doesn't end up in the boundary but he was playing that outside receiver the other outside receiver Joe Wilkins I think that would affect and it would give him more opportunities and maybe a guy even like Xavier Watts would get some more opportunities because Michael Young's not here I like him a lot and I like him as a person um I think you know, again, I think the Brayden Lindsay thing kind of scared, and he came back, and Lindsay was really starting to get a foothold there. And when it's somebody that's a younger class than you, you know, I think sometimes you kind of see the handwriting on the wall. And he had a good landing spot. He ended up back with Mike Denbrock, who recruited him to Notre Dame. Mike's the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati, so I think it'll be a good fit for him there. Yeah, I'll,
2: I'll probably go with Ben Skoranek just because I don't know. If he's on the team, if Michael Young is gone, I mean, that that opened up a spot for him. We got a couple more kind of lighthearted questions that, that we'll end the podcast with. First one from Jude at NDJRS. This week's topic is best team to never win a championship. Tell us about a team you covered, any sport, any year, that was talented enough to win a championship, but did not for whatever reason.
0: Um... I don't know that I've had a team like that other than um, in, in basketball when I was covering Indiana University in 1993, they had a team that went 17-1 and in the Big Ten, which is really difficult to do at that time, and they had a forward named Allen Henderson that got hurt late in that season, and had Allen Anderson been healthy, I think they would have at least gotten to the Final Four. You know, they had gotten to the final four the year before with a much inferior team, I thought, in ninety-two. So that would probably be the closest. I haven't had a football team like that because I wasn't covering I wasn't covering Notre Dame when the eighty nine and the ninety-three teams were playing. And really, you know, Alabama was so much better than Notre Dame in twenty twelve. Clemson was so much better than Notre Dame in twenty eighteen. And and they, they haven't even been in a position to be close really other than those two years, maybe 2015, um, since Lou Holtz was the coach. So, uh, I hope that's a good enough answer. Carter, how about you?
2: Well, I don't have a huge history. Um, I, I've covered Texas A&M and Notre Dame for the most part, um, And there wasn't, like, a team that was on the brink. I mean, maybe the closest was Notre Dame in 2018 uh, football. Um, I'll say a team that I followed uh, that I guess you could say came close was Texas A&M in 2012, the Johnny Manziel-Heisman year. What was interesting about that year is they were scheduled to play Louisiana Tech as their first game, but it got delayed a couple weeks because of a hurricane in Louisiana, And so they opened with Florida, and they ended up losing to Florida by three, and Cliff Kingsbury, the offensive coordinator at the time, said that had they known what Johnny Manziel was capable of at the time, they would have won that game, because they put a lot of constraints on him and what he could do in the offense. And so the thought was, had there not been a hurricane in Louisiana, Manziel would have you know, won that game against La Tech and Florida, and that would have resulted in them winning the SEC. And then you win the SEC, you're in the, you know, college football championship game, and it might be A&M versus Notre Dame if if there wasn't a hurricane in Louisiana. Uh, so I kind of, I think about that sometimes because that would have been a interesting championship game. Um, and one more we got, and, and then I'll let you close, Eric. Um, I guess this is in reference to the picture you use for your chats, but it's from Vito at Vito Spada 4nd. Is Eric Hansen still wearing his white shades? And can we get proof through a live video? <laughs>
0: awesome. um, I absolutely I actually had them on the top of my head when I went out to get the mail and newspaper today. And we can figure out how to do a video, but we gotta do it soon because I need a haircut bad. And, uh, I'm getting too bushy and I'm, I think I'm going to try to cut it at some point if they don't reopen the barber shops in the next couple weeks. So, um, so I would want to, I would want to do the video before I tried to cut my hair with a beard. <laughs> so, all right, that's it for this episode of pot of gold. If you don't already, you can just subscribe to us on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcast, and Stitcher. Leave us a review, preferably a good one, or rating if you like what you hear. We hope to be back soon with another podcast to help you guys stay occupied. Until then, stick with NDInsider.com for all your Notre Dame football coverage.